0: Now, Pippa Lapi, National Assembly Speaker Balakambeta says that she does not have the powers to postpone the State of the Nation address. Constitutionally speaking, is this a fact?
1: Well, I think she's got a very delicate balancing act ahead of her in the sense that on the one hand, President's State of the Nation address is really the ultimate accountability mechanism in that, you know, the President has to stand up in front of all of the citizens of South Africa and explain what he's been up to in the previous year, as well as, you know, establishing the goal for 2018. So in that sense, it is important for him to go ahead with the State of the Nation address. Yet on the other hand, the Speaker of Parliament, uh, the Speaker of Parliament, even if she belongs to the the governing party, but she's there to represent the interests of all of the political parties. So right now, it, it, she, yes, I think she's in a rather difficult position in that, on the one hand, she has to express the wishes of the political parties, and on the other hand, in terms of the constitution, you know, the state of the nation address is, is um, a, 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 an accountability mechanism that you know the president is supposed to um, assure the citizens of the country that you know South Africa is doing well or, or not. So, um, at right now, you know, I obviously have a lot of sympathy for the Speaker of Parliament because this is unprecedented, and on the other hand, you know, she really has these two very conflicting positions, and she ultimately she needs to make a decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in a case where the national speaker is not in a position to handle any issues brought before her, what avenues are there for her to explore in order to resolve such issues?
1: Well, unfortunately, and I think this really is the, the big criticism of how certain political parties have conducted themselves in that, um, you know, and unfortunately, this might be a matter which may end up before the courts. And it's unfortunate in the sense that it unnecessarily draws the courts into what are essentially political battles because these are really matters which political parties themselves should be solving without involving the courts but of course the courts too will have a really difficult time because you know in terms of the separation of powers doctrine the speaker of parliament really has the final say with everything that happens in the national assembly so it's going to be a bit difficult for the courts to then weigh in on what his her ultimate responsibility without the courts being accused of overreach.
0: Now, the EFF has also written to the speaker asking her to schedule a motion of no confidence before the president delivers the SONA next week. But Mberta has also added that that motion of no confidence cannot happen before SONA. Is there any reason for her not to allow the motion of no confidence before the SONA?
1: Well, I think that decision is a bit troubling, bearing in mind what the courts have previously said. That specifically, it was um, in Lindiwe Mazwai's matter when Lindiwe Mazwai was still in parliament, where she tried to table a motion of no confidence. And the speaker's, the then speaker's response was that, um, well, that it wasn't an urgent matter and it wasn't priority and it wouldn't be tabled immediately. And the court basically said that, um, you know, a motion of no confidence is a constitutional mechanism, and because of that, the speaker of parliament is required to treat it with a certain degree of urgency. So in this instance, it would appear as if the um, is not abiding by that principle because the courts have made it quite clear that once an opposition party requests that this motion be tabled, she's under obligation to do so almost immediately.
0: Mm. What other avenues are available for those opposition parties so that they can explore in order to get their demands attended to before next week Thursday?
1: Well, ultimately, it would really be up to the courts to determine whether or not this should go ahead. But again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be very difficult for the courts to weigh in on the speaker's discretion because of the doctrine of separation of powers. So ultimately, I think this is a matter which obviously should involve a certain degree of mediation. And so I don't think that, you know, going to the courts every now and then is healthy for our democracy. I think are mechanisms which exist in the National Assembly and these political parties should really be coming together, sitting at the table and you know, just doing the right thing for the sake of the country because it's simply not healthy for courts to be interfering in the business of the National Assembly.
0: Now, there are lots of calls for the president, Jacob Zuma, to step down. Even the ANC Veterans League in Limpopo has added its voice to calls for the resignation of the president. And we're asking the view, uh, the listeners this morning, um, is the ANC dealing convincingly with the latest developments around the president, Jacob Zuma? And let's uh, take a look at what they're saying. And Paul Salepe says an absolute no. Sakiwa says the ANC will never remove the president. I support the motion of no confidence against him, especially if it is a secret vote or a secret ballot. Uh, Centani, deep rural areas there. Hilton Morris says nine votes of no confidence. There must be some kind of a record. Cooney Michael says there are rebels within the ANC, namely Mahashule, Mabuse and Duarte, who will do whatever it takes to protect uh, the president not to step aside. So ANC will not be able to deal convincingly, convincingly rather with recalling the president in any way. We must just have to be more patient in the next 18 months. These are some of their comments. But, uh, uh, Mr. Dubey, if we have to ask you this question, do you think that the ANC is dealing convincingly with these developments around the president?
1: Well, we also need to bear in mind that um, even if the ANC recalls the president, in terms of the law, that really doesn't have much of an impact because, legally speaking, the president can either resign or he can be pitched or he can be removed through a motion of no confidence. So unless and until that happens, he's very much still the de facto president of South Africa. And of course, it is quite concerning that, on the other hand, it's quite clear that um, members within the governing party, as well as ordinary citizens outside of of, of the party, have lost confidence, have lost faith in his ability to govern as a party. And of Because it's quite um, important for the governing party to then capture those sentiments to ensure that, you know, ultimately we have the kind of democracy where people's wishes are expressed. So, of course, it is quite concerning that I think for the last couple of months, you know, there's been this cloud over the, over the presidency. It is obviously quite important that, um, you know, there be clarity on that kind of matter. But of course, you know, as I mentioned in the, in my introduction to the statement, it's not enough that they simply recall the president. There has to be follow through after that, follow through either through the president resigning or parliament either
0: impeaching him or removing him through a motion of no confidence. Let's talk about the process of impeachment. Take us through that process.
1: Well, right now... The Rules Committee in Parliament is still trying to debate rules in terms of how the president is going to be impeached. And this is in line with the constitutional court judgment, which said that the national assembly, as it stood, didn't have enough, uh, didn't have a proper mechanism to determine whether the president should be impeached. Now, an impeachment is punitive and it's done when the president has, um, it's done where the president has seriously violated the constitution or the law or where the president has um, misconducted himself in a serious manner. Or the third instance in which the president can be impeached is if he's unable to conduct his duties of office. You know, for example, if he's not feeling well and it's the sort of illness which renders him incapable of being a president. And it's punitive, so it would mean that if he's successfully impeached, then he loses all of the benefits that come with the office. So he would lose, you know, the bodyguards, he would lose his pension, and so, so it's quite a, a very serious step. which um, which the constitution provides in instances where you know there's been some very serious wrongdoing so at the moment the rules committee is trying to come up with first of all how to determine what it means to have a serious violation you know the questions are being asked whether there's a court need to first of all find that you know the president has violated certain laws And off of the back of that um, court order, then members of parliament would sit down to deliberate. And then that needs to be differentiated from a motion of no confidence. So a motion of no confidence, um, that's really a matter of opinion. So Whereas an impeachment is a matter of fact. So it it really doesn't have anything to do with the president having done anything wrong per se. It's just really about, you know, the members of the National Assembly having lost confidence in the president. Now, the interesting difference, though, is that the motion of no confidence removes not just the president, but it removes the deputy president as well as all of the members of cabinet from their positions. And that's really by a simple majority, so 50 plus one, and then the president, the deputy president, as well as the members of cabinet are all out of office. And because it's not punitive, because it's really a matter of fact, so you don't need to establish any kind of wrongdoing before you vote, the president in this instance would still get to keep his benefits of office. So that, in a nutshell, is really the difference between the two mechanisms.
0: There's another mechanism, and that is the recall, but we'll talk about that in a short while. I just want to remind the listeners they can participate in this conversation on 0891-104-208. For instance, P.J. Macron Pella says, no, they must just relieve the president of his duties once and for all. We know that it's possible to do that, that it, since it was done with the former president, comrade Thabo Is it as simple as uh, recalling the president like we did with Thabo
1: Well, we need to bear in mind that um, the recall is simply the governing party passing a very strong message to the president, saying to the president, listen, you have lost the confidence of the majority of the members within this party. And then, of course, President Becky, on the back of that recall, he then resigned And he resigned because I'm sure it would have been embarrassing to then go to Parliament and be voted out of office by your own comrades. So that, in essence, is what a recall involves. But of course, the recall needs to be accompanied by a resignation in order for for, for that particular recall to have any kind of legal um, impact. So, in terms of the constitution, if there's a vacancy in the president's office, then it would mean that the deputy president would step into the office of the president, and then the deputy president would be the interim president for the period that for, for that period until fresh elections are held and the interim president can still be uh, elected into office. Now, of course, we remember with the Mbeki era in that um, I think the deputy president, uh, Punzile also resigned, also chose to resign. And then um, Halima Mutlante was the interim president um, as voted in by the members of the National Assembly. So those are, that's really the difference between the different scenarios. So, of course, it would mean that if the president was to resign after being recalled, then um, the deputy president would be the interim president. But on the other hand, if he's forced to move out of the office through a vote of no confidence, bear in mind that the deputy president is also removed from the office. So if that was to happen, then it would mean that the Speaker of Parliament would be the interim president until such a time as the National Assembly votes for another individual amongst themselves to then be the interim president. So there are obviously different consequences that flow from whether a president is recalled or whether a president is removed through impeachment or through a vote of no confidence.